last week when we were here, you might remember that I mentioned the idea that we sometimes remember things that get fixed in our mind for a reason, special events. And meals can be special events, can't they? We tend to remember a meal, maybe not because it's a good meal, or necessarily because it's a bad meal, though that might be a cause to remember. But perhaps more commonly, it's the event. It's the people you share that meal with. The friends or the family. Our passage this morning is not about giving a menu or a recipe. It's about establishing a meal for a family to share and remember. It's about the Passover feast. There are some quite detailed instructions in there. But it goes beyond the food. The instructions are so that they get the meal right. Not so that the food's necessarily right. It doesn't tell you how long to roast that lamb or that kid for, or what sort of oven it's going to be in. It tells you a meal. Because it's a multi-layered meal. It's not just feeding stomachs. It's a time to feed the soul. It's a time to not just give people the energy for a long journey that they're about to go on. It's about getting the hearts right for the journey that they're going to go on. And the significance of this is spelled out by the Lord saying, you know, your calendar starts now. However you counted months before, however you looked at your weeks, ditch all that, particularly as it probably came from the Egyptians, ditch that, your calendar starts today. There's a new month ahead of you. This is the first month. Start counting with the new moon. And then, when it gets to the 14th day, when it's the full moon, when there's maximum light, something of God is going to happen. You are going to do something together. Now, it's uh, no small feat what's going to happen, is it? The promise to Abraham of there going to be children in his family was to think of the stars in the sky. If you had that many children, that would be a big family, wouldn't it? 
don't know if you ever ate it. It's not quite the weather for it today. Maybe it wasn't too bad last night. But on a summer's evening, you can lie and just look up at the stars and see how many there are and how wonderful creation is in that point. And if you had really good eyesight, which I don't, and if it was really, really dark, which even here, it's not really, really dark, but it might have been really, really dark in the day of Abraham. You could lie there, and you might be able to count a few thousand. An estimate of the maximum possible number of stars you could count with your eyes is 10,000. If it was truly dark and you had truly good vision, that's without getting a telescope out. It goes up if you have a telescope. But by this stage... After the years in Egypt, if you were to carry on reading Exodus 12, you'd find out that there's over 600,000 men. That's a big family, isn't it? Over 600,000 men. And then if you were to add on the women and the children, you'd have a population more than east and west Sussex put together. It's a big meal to have. Can you imagine sharing a meal with everybody in the county at the same time? It takes a lot to do. And the Israelites are not going to do just one thing. They're not just going to share the meal. They're going to have a common act of sacrificial worship. And then they're going to set off on a common journey. And they're going to live with a common purpose. And it starts at this point. They're brought together as a family. And they have this meal to remember and to think of what has happened. When we share this meal, we share it as a family. Now, maybe some aren't in the room when we share it. Sometimes they might be. But we share this meal, and as we share it, all the other believers share it too. There's a connection, a spiritual connection at that time. That those from past centuries, those from the future, and those that are with us alive today are sharing this meal. It is a family meal. And it's a meal that marks something new happening. Because we share it and we remember 
the newness of life that comes in Christ through his body being broken and his blood poured out. It gives us new hope. It sets us this family meal, which is all shared by everyone together. It sets us on a journey and with a purpose to live a life for God. At the time of the Passover, there probably wasn't enough spotless, completely blemish-free lambs and kids to go around. Every man should have one, it says. Every man being 600,000 people. But then the Lord says, think about what you actually need. Are you going to eat a whole one as a family? Or are you not? What about your neighbor? What about that person that lives next door? How much will they eat? Can you share? There's a challenge there not to be greedy. but to only have the right number. They're told that everyone should eat. And that means looking after those around them. And encouraging this idea of only taking enough lamb or goat for yourself is the message that You're not keeping the leftovers. Quite often at home, we'll cook something and there might be some mince leftover that didn't get dished up. And you put it in a bowl and you put it in the fridge. Now that might be used for lunch the next day or maybe the day after that. I wonder how many of you leave food like that there and just say, oh, it'll be useful. And then you go to it and you think, actually, we're told only to have enough for your family, share it with others, and anything that's left over, you're not to keep as leftovers for another meal. They were to burn it. They weren't keeping it. They weren't going to carry it with them. They were going to travel light on their journey. So they can burn it. And what's more, those that are staying in Egypt, the Egyptians, will not have access to this meat that was used in worship. It's all used up. You see an element of that in some churches when they share the Lord's feast and all the bread gets eaten at the end. In my first year placement, when I was training for the ministry, it was an Anglican church. And the wine that had been poured up, we had to drink up at the end because 
it wasn't to be wasted and it wasn't to go out. I had the excuse usually that I was driving. But I could have another sip, but that was enough. But they were to use it. How much is essential? How much is essential in our lives? There was a study in 2013 that concluded each day in this country, I'll specify country, UK, each day in the UK, 24 million slices of bread are thrown away. Now, to you as an individual, that's maybe a bit of end crust and a little bit more. But as a nation, that's a lot of bread, isn't it? For a family of four, it's about a loaf a week. Now, some of that is from households. Some of it is from supermarkets or bakers that have made too much. It's the waste. And we heard in our prayers earlier about food bank. Those that don't have. And those of us that do have need to think, what do I actually need? Buy what we will eat. But of course, the lamb and the kid are not just bought for eating. They're not just bread for eating. But are used to mark the doorways, the lintels. And only those homes that were marked by the blood would be saved from the plague. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb. His blood shed for our forgiveness. It's when we recognize that, only when we recognize that, only when we accept that and mark our lives with that, that we are saved. When we accept the Lamb, and what he did for us, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, making us a redeemed people, joining us as the one family, the church. And God gathers us together to serve his purpose, that we might learn and that we might grow, that we might praise his name and that we might serve. We are many parts with different gifts, but God joins us into one family. A family that is one body with many gifts. Gifts not for our sake, or for the sake of the church, but for the sake of God's kingdom and its glory, the glory of the master, the glory of the Lord.
He does it so that we might engage in his mission. And that's a mission that starts here and is on the doorstep and is on the high street and is throughout the village to the ends of the earth. And when we do things that are half-hearted and not committed to lifting up the Lord's name together as a church, when we don't really contribute to the family, when we're not committed to giving our best in worship, when we're not giving as we are able of our time or of our money or our talent or our effort, when we're not playing the part in the family that we're called to be, then we're not really living as his people. Those that didn't live out that Passover meal who didn't play their part as the family, were left behind. But others did eat. And they had to eat in a state of readiness. They put their cloaks on. They tucked the bottom into their belt. I imagine that so that they don't trip over it. Put on sandals on their feet so that they're ready to move across a rough floor of the desert. And they put their staff in their hand to give them stability on their path. (coughs) But note that there's something more to a rush when they're told not to eat bread that had had yeast, leavened bread. Eat the unleavened bread, they're told. Now, of course, we often think, well, it takes time for the bread to rise, doesn't it? That's true. But you can make bread in advance. You can make bread as part of a festival and make it for the next day. You can think ahead. So there's something more to the unleavened bread. Not based on a piece of dough that the normal leaven was. The old dough saved from a previous batch was where the raising agent came from. They had to throw that out. Because they were going to have a new life, not based on the ways of the past. Not based on that moldy old bit of dough that they used to have, that they just put a bit of into the fresh dough they were mixing up, and they would save a little bit of that for next time. It was a new life ahead. 
And likewise, we need to be living new lives. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth saying, let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. As we share a family meal, as we think about being God's people, we journey ahead in a new way, putting aside what's wrong and living for him, the one God who reigns over all. The Passover was a new beginning for the people of God. In Christ, too, we are offered a new beginning, a new life. So let us play our part within his family. Amen.